What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Shots Fired podcast. Interesting episode for us today. Uh, we're going to be jumping into the new assembly bill that has just been proposed to the Senate two days ago on January 13th, 2023. And that is known as the Assembly Bill 742, which is going to be banning the use of canines in California. Now, a number of you have been emailing me, texting me about this. The news just broke on this. Um, I know there's been a lot of conversations surrounding this topic for a while now. Uh, this is the first time that there's actually been a bill proposed to the Senate to actually ban the use of canines in California. And it's concerning to a lot of people. Um, you know, it's obviously concerning to us as well. And so we're here to talk about that. Uh, we want to talk about what the bill says uh, and the limitations on it. And then we're going to dive into why we feel that it could have some serious negative consequences in law enforcement in general um, if canines are removed from policing. So history, Assemblyman Dr. Corey Jackson and Ash Carla actually introduced the state Senate bill AB uh, 742 two days ago on Monday, February 13th, 2023. And if that bill actually passes, I'm going to read a quote. If the bill passes, it would prohibit the use of police dogs for arrest, apprehension, and crowd control. I mean, that's, that's major. I've worked around canines and, and you were, you're a canine handler. Yeah. So speaking uh, from my past, if this is the first time that you're watching this or, you know, tuning into our show, um, my past history is, is seven years as a dog handler and, you know, multiple different capacities, uh, mainly patrol and SWAT and recently been voted in as the vice president of the Western States Canine Association. So I've, I've surrounded myself and, and have a, a big passion for a canine, you know, virtually my whole policing career, uh, which has been 16 years. And I, I can tell you, I've, I've never seen this before. Um, I know there's some other states out there that have been scaling back on the use of canines, but I want to read to you guys the verbiage that was written in the assembly bill and why they're trying to ban the use of canines in California. Okay. And these are the quotes from Mr. Assemblyman, Dr. Corey Jackson, the use of police canines has inflicted brutal violence and lifelong trauma on black Americans and communities of color. This bill marks a turning point in the right fight to end this cruel and inhumane practice and build trust between the police and the communities they serve. Okay. So those are, his words. Yeah. We just quoted that, which reading through it and really breaking down everything, what it comes down to is that if the bill passes, police dogs can no longer be used to bite. That's what it comes down yes. to is they, they can't be used to bite. They could be used for detection, uh, to locate suspects, uh, to sit and bark is what some of the assemblymen um, have actually proposed, but it would limit actual bites. So to touch on that real quick, there are two different types of apprehension dogs. There are the bark and hold dogs, which is what you just mentioned. And that's when you can deploy a dog out. And when the dog actually locates the suspect, uh, he would bark at the suspect. And if the suspect were to make some type of a furtive movement, uh, the dog would then be trained to bite the suspect. Um, they've tried this before. This, this is nothing new. 
um, agencies were doing this a long time ago and they actually found that that was actually more problematic and there were more bad dog bites coming uh, as a result of bark and holds because you, you have an animal with its own brain and, and you're trying to uh, basically treat it as if it's a robot. And naturally, if a dog runs up to you, okay, and starts barking at you, what would what do you think your reaction would be? To, to flinch, right? I mean, oh, yeah. most people are probably going to flinch when a dog comes running up to them and starts barking at them. I think that's a natural reaction of anybody. And when that was happening, these dogs uh, were trained to then bite somebody. And, and then the argument was, well, I wasn't, I wasn't doing any, anything that was aggressive or trying to run. It was just a natural reaction to flinch. And then here they are getting bit. So that obviously became problematic. Uh, that's why they got away with the whole bark and hold um, dog deployments years ago was for that reason. Uh, now dogs are used to, once you deploy that dog out to go locate somebody, dogs are trained to, uh, we call it in the industry, find and bite. And that is if they, the suspect doesn't give up. Correct. So generally speaking, uh, unless you have reason to believe otherwise, you, you know, whether somebody's armed or, or if, you know, you think by giving canine announcements, you're going to be giving up your position in, in a tactical advantage. Uh, which would be a rare circumstance where you wouldn't give canine announcements. But in most cases, you're going to give canine announcements and you're always going to give the person the opportunity to surrender. Okay. So these dogs aren't just used to go out and bite anybody. Okay. And that's the other thing is dogs are intended to find and locate and apprehend violent, you know, people that have committed violent crimes, uh, you know, believed to be armed with uh, some type of weapon. Um, so these are serious offenses that you would deploy a dog on. These aren't any minor offenses. Um, now, so, does, does that happen occasionally where, where, where a handler would maybe make a bad decision and, and use that, a, a dog for maybe a minor offense? I'm not going to sit here and deny and say that, that that doesn't happen, but that's where training and supervision and all those things come into play and, and obviously holding that person accountable for their actions, just like as if you were to tase or use a baton or pepper spray or somebody outside a policy of when you can and can't use those tools. Uh, the same thing obviously applies with a dog. So Kyle, with all of your years of experience of being a canine handler and now the sergeant of a canine team running it, what is your opinion on the bill if it passes? So I, I think that if this bill passes, I, I, I truly do think it's going to be a detriment to, to law enforcement. Um, and, and here's why. I, I can give you countless examples of me personally deploying my dog on calls uh, where a bad guy was apprehended and without the use of that dog, it very, there was a very high likelihood that it could have resulted in an officer-involved shooting had the dog not been there. Um, and for reasons being that the person was either armed and we didn't know it. Um, I, I've had my dog uh, bite um, a, a person one time, and the guy actually came up with a knife uh, at the last second. And from the impact of the dog, I mean, it blew the knife out of the guy's hand and fell backwards. I mean, so you take you remove the dog from an equation like that. And your only other option at that point is, is to shoot that person. So there are countless stories. I mean, countless stories at every agency of times when dogs were used and prevented an officer involved shooting. Now the main purpose of patrol dogs or canines, uh, are locating tools. Um, you know, the dogs obviously have noses that are, thousands times stronger than we are. There, there is no uh, statistical number that, you know, shows exactly how much stronger they are than human noses, but we do know that they are extremely 
more sensitive um, than human noses. So that's what we're using the dogs for. We're not using them for their eyesight. We're not using them for their ears. We're using them for their nose. And being able to deploy a canine and potentially either go track down a suspect, whether they're doing a track or, or an air scent or area search, uh, you're giving distance between the officers and the bad guy. Okay. So, I mean, if you're kicking a dog off a leash and having him go search a, anything, a field, a house, um, anything that you can imagine, you're allowing officers to either remain behind cover and utilize the dog, right. To go, to go and sniff out this, uh, this bad guy. Um, and you Mark being on a SWAT team where I know that you guys use dogs on your SWAT team. Um, I mean, did you find value and benefit in in utilizing the canine for your own tactics as a SWAT team to kind of guide you in in your guys' searching tactics? Yes, 100%. There was many times we would make entry into a house, enter, use the dog to continue to start clearing some. We'd take that ground. The dog would range out a little bit. And even in yard-to-yard searches, the dogs would clear an area, make it somewhat safe for us, then we would visually clear it ourselves. And keeping that dog between us and the suspect, like you said, it provides distance, but it keeps you and the entire team safer, safer. I mean, not everything is safe, but it keeps you safer. And I think my experience is if you eliminate the use of that canine and other tools are not as effective, a drone or different night vision, you're still going to have to take that area first, but with the, you know, as a person, as a person. Yeah. And not having that extra shield puts all of those officers in harm's way for the safety of what the bill is saying is trying to limit and want to actually take away the ability for suspects to be bitten. And what uh, the assemblyman, Dr. Corey Jackson has said is biting and causing injury to a suspect before they are found guilty. So that to me is just very interesting because we have to be safe doing something and you put an entire team and multiple officers in harm's way to locate a suspect that knows we are there that is refusing to comply and is not giving up and is most likely committed a violent crime already. I, from my opinion of being a full-time SWAT team member, that that's a, a terrible idea. And yeah. a, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about is de-escalation and that is huge across the entire country now. And using a dog is a form of de-escalation. There is many times, and I know you can account to this, is we move up, we present the canine, the canine barks, there's announcements, there's no secret we are there. And the presence of that dog alone makes that suspect think twice and then surrender. And that to me is a great form of de-escalation because now that, that suspect is compliant and they're walking out and they're doing what the police is telling them to do. They may be talking and yelling, but they're physically, their motions are doing what we're telling them and that's compliant and that's what we want. And at that point, no one gets injured. Yeah. Yeah. And when you talk about, okay, dog bites. Yeah. I mean, sometimes does a dog have the ability to uh, inflict serious bodily injury on a person? Absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and say that that doesn't happen because that, that is true. Not all the time is that true, um, but it can happen. And a lot of times I think the, the reason that happens is you, you got people that, you know, while they're being bid, they're either trying to pull a limb away from the, the dog's mouth and right. And that's just going to cause, you know, more injuries and damage uh, to the person. Um, but it's interesting because when you talk about canine specifically and other tools that we use in law enforcement, 
canines are actually the only tool that, that I can think of in law enforcement where you can recall, recall it back once it's been deployed. So what I mean by that is once you shoot a less lethal shotgun beanbag, um, a 40 mil, a taser, uh, a baton, anything, anything that once you've deployed it, there is no going back. You can't recall any of that stuff back. Whereas a dog, you deploy a dog out, maybe the bad guy surrenders um, or circumstances change. You can recall that dog back to you without, without it biting anybody. So that's where the training and, and all those things come into play. Um, I can't think of anything else out there where you can deploy it and call it back like you can a dog. Yeah, I can't either. So Kyle, you're not only were you a canine handler, but you're a sergeant of a canine unit. So I'm kind of posing the question to you, like what is your actual job of being a supervisor of a canine team? Cause I know you have multiple officers. So what, what is your actual responsibility? What are things that you do to, to make sure that everyone is compliant up to date on training? Like wh- what is your job as a, as a canine sergeant? So good question. Um, so I, currently I'm in charge of uh, five handlers at, at our department and really now more than ever, I think supervisors really need to be active in the canine unit, going to trainings, uh, you know, making sure handlers are documenting things appropriately. What is the trainer teaching the handlers? Um, you know, oftentimes trainers, outside entity trainers and vendors are training these canine handlers that aren't associated with the department. They're an outside venue. So you know, my job as a supervisor is to make sure that, you know, obviously number one, that the handlers are all taken care of, right? The dogs are all, always taken care of, the handlers taken care of, they, they have what they need. But, you know, more so than that, it's, it's me going out to, to trainings, um, you know, making sure that our handlers are being taught and are adhering to our policies and procedures in-house. Because if we're at a training and there's multiple agencies at one training with the trainer, which I think is often the case, your policy as a different agency might be different than, than my policy, right? So the last thing I want is handlers picking up bad habits maybe from other departments where maybe they operate a little differently. So I think it's obviously a coming upon the handler to make sure that you are adhering to your own policies and procedures at your department. But as a supervisor, and if there's any supervisors list, listening to this, um, I, I truly think now more than ever, you really need to be active in the canine unit uh, because if something bad happens, right, you, your handlers are going out there, maybe going a little rogue or get a bad dog bite or something happens, it's also going to come back on you, right? So not just the handler, but also the canine supervisor and those things happen. So be active in the canine unit, go out to your trainings. I would talk to the trainer, see what, see what they're teaching some of these uh, trainers, you know, have been doing it a long time. And, and I'm going to be honest, you know, I, I have personally been involved in and have witnessed uh, terrible training. And with bad training, you're going to get bad results. Not often or, or not always is it the handler's fault, I think, per se, when, you know, maybe they make a bad decision out on the street when it comes to a deployment. Because if you look back and, and you go, OK, well, that's what they were taught by the trainer. Um, how do they know otherwise? And, and I've been a recipient of that. So p- selecting good trainers and as the department, you know, um, really listen to your experts in the canine industry at, at your, at your agency. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that not everybody has worked a dog and a lot of administrators have never worked a dog. <coughs> 
Um, but you need to listen to the folks that have, and if they're telling you, um, you know, Hey, this style of training or, or we need to move on from this trainer and vendor. If they're telling you that, then you may want to listen to them because that was kind of a, a crossroads that we ran into years ago, uh, before we switched to the trainer that we have now. But, um, I hope that answers your question. I mean, I can't stress enough. Be just be active in the, with your canine guys. I mean, you got to know what they're doing. You, you and the thing is, is you can't be with them all the time, right? I mean, I have two handlers that work on my side of the week, and within the last three weeks, we've had three dog bites, um, all of which were were uh, against violent felons who who were armed. Um, and again, that's what I'm saying. Without so the use of the dog. They could have been, it, it, these could have been lethal encounters. When you talk about documentation and, and you know, bite versus no bite ratios, um, if you really want to talk about statistics, I, I think it, at any department that has a canine unit, if you look at their bite and no bite ratio statistics, the no bite ratio is going to heavily outweigh the, the bite ratio, okay? When you're only talking about, um, you know, a couple apprehensions, you know, obviously depending on where you work and how busy and active you are, but, you know, some agencies probably aren't going to get any dog bites for maybe years. Yep. Some handlers may never get any. Um, but at a busier active department where you are getting dog work and dog bites, um, the no bite ratio is always going to outweigh the bite ratio. And if it's not, then then that's a problem. And I think that's where a supervisor probably needs to step in and what is this handler doing that all the other handlers aren't doing? Um, now, in regards to documenting canine deployments, um, we are required as handlers to document every time your dog's out of the car. And there's documentation programs out there that we're required to use. And I mean, you're, you're documenting everything. What the dog do? Um, you know, what was the outcome? You know, training, your training logs are crucial. You know, anytime you go to court, on a dog bite, you know, uh, maybe narcotic detection, whatever the case is, um, that stuff is generally going to get pulled. And so one of the unique things about being a dog handler is how much documentation you actually have to do uh, regarding your dog. I mean, everything you have to document. So I, I do find it interesting that, um, you know, that I read you guys before, you know, where's the data and the numbers to support this assembly bill 742? I, I, the, I haven't seen it. Um, <coughs> it's not there, uh, to support what they're suggesting. And I think that's a troubling thing about passing these new laws is you, you get these lawmakers out there who just write this stuff on paper and they make it sound so terrible, but there's never any data to support it. So one of the interesting things about the bill is that they're highlighting and saying that there's no standard throughout the state of California for canine units or canine apprehensions and policies department to department. So they're, the, 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 the bill that's being introduced is, is saying, Hey, every agency, it's up to you guys to manage your own people, your own policies. Yep. And, I, and I think they're highlighting that because they're, they're saying there's inconsistencies. So for you as a, as a canine sergeant that runs a team, what are some things that you do to make sure that you are, I mean, you talked about documentation, but are you going out to other uh, trainings? Are you contacting, are you on an email serve? Are you reading case law? Like, are you talking with other agencies in California? Like what are some of these things that you and other agencies are doing to, re, to remain as consistent as possible? 
Yeah. I mean, I'm always um, <coughs> chatting with on the phone with, you know, other handlers from other agencies, supervisors. I mean, y- you name it. Um, and I think unanimously in California, we're, I think generally speaking, we're all operating under the same umbrella and a lot of us share the same policies. Uh, some policies might be a little bit more restrictive on when you can deploy a dog, but as far as being loose about it, um, I, I don't think there's very, very many agencies out there that have loose canine policies. Um, you know, just given the, uh, there's a lot of liability. In a, yeah. That. It's, it's probably one of, I, I always argue that I think it's probably the, if not one of the biggest liability positions in, in a police organization is, is going to be canine. Um, I think that's always been the case. Some people may disagree with me on that, but, um, that's fine. So, yeah. So to say that, uh, you know, agencies aren't having, you know, these discussions, I mean, that's why we have, you know, the Western States canine association and, and all these other associations that are out there. There's a ton of them. Um, it's to network with each other. You know, that's why we have canine conferences, um, every year it's, it's to get everyone together, get trainers from, you know, different areas of either the country or different areas of the state. Everyone gets to come together. We talk about this stuff. Um, you know, we share ideas, deployments, you know, all, all of those things are, are happening. Um, and I think industry wide and canine, I think agencies really are and, and handlers and trainers, everybody's always trying to get better. It's just like tactics, right? Like in the SWAT world, you're always looking for the next tactic and what's, what could serve you better, um, to be more safe. And th- those things are happening in the canine world. Also. I mean, we're always looking to you know, find ways uh, to do things differently that maybe it's a little bit more safe um, and not doing things that the way we always used to do it. So, you know, overall, I just think <sighs> dogs are just such a, such a valuable tool. I mean, and, and if they are taken away from us, I, I fear that you're going to have more severe uses of force. Um, I think you're going to have more deadly encounters with police. And I just don't see... I don't see the benefits outweighing the negatives on this one. Yeah. Super interesting to me. I, I, I hope it does not pass. And I, I'm, I'm really hoping it does not pass because it, it should not be. I've never once in my career in law enforcement ever heard of anybody supporting the removal of a less lethal option. Never. Yeah. And this is going to be the first one. Yeah. If it passes. I know. And that's the troubling thing about it is, I mean, you know, I, I, I understand the need for, um, getting better as law enforcement and, you know, being better as a whole with tactics and, and the way that we're treating the public. And I, I, I'm fully supportive of all that, but when you really start taking away less lethal options to deescalate certain situations, then you're, you're tying law enforcement hands, um, to use other drastic measures that maybe we wouldn't have had to use, you know, had you not taken away this particular tool. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's going to pass, but I also don't want to be naive and think that maybe, maybe it will pass. You know, I, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, so, I know so, there's a lot of advocates right now, right now, as we're recording this, that are writing letters to the assemblyman telling him why this is, this is not a good idea. Yeah. So we talked some about hoping it will not pass and the benefits of it. Real quick, do you want to just touch on, since you actively manage a team, if it does pass, how will that change what you do? Have uh, you even well, had huge. time to think about it? No, yeah, for sure. And in, in huge, I mean, gosh, you're talking about, 
I mean, sh- there's going to be agencies out there that are going to have to completely abolish their canine programs. I mean, because once you tr- money, I, I mean, it's that's a huge, huge deal. I mean, they are saying that you can use these dogs for detection work, but if you have dogs out there that are trained to bite, um, you know, I, I guess that might just be a risk that the departments maybe are willing to take on and, and you know, convert these bite dogs into detection dogs. But in the back of your mind, you have to understand that they are trained to bite also. And do you want to take that liability on where some of these other detection dogs out there that are purely detection <coughs> aren't, you know, aren't bite dogs. So I, honestly, I don't even know what that would look like for an organization if if it were to pass. I know that it would be a huge undertaking for departments. Um, what do you do with all these dogs? I mean, I, I don't even want to think about that, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's a huge deal. Yeah. So anyways, guys, this is something we wanted to chat about, um, have a conversation about. I, I, I mean, this is so new that we, it's hard to gauge right now what direction this is going. I know there's a lot of opposing um, people with opposition to it. I know a lot of people are writing opposition letters to to the assembly men, but we don't know where this is going to go. So we definitely wanted to take time, jump on here kind of talk about it. Like I said, I was getting a lot of, a lot of you were DMing me and, and shooting me the article about it. A lot of you, you know, don't even live in California um, and are hearing about this. And that's something to note <coughs> is we've said it before on this podcast where things, you may not think it's going to happen to you in your state because you don't live in California. And, and how many times have we said it where a lot of things that start here in California start filtering out to oh, yeah. other states. Yep. I mean, we talked about it with our new use of force uh, law. Um, a lot of states are now drafting um, our use of force law and they're using it as their own now. So look, it's almost like a ripple effect. It generally starts with California yeah. and it kind of starts working its way out. So be mindful of this stuff. Um, well, we'll be, we'll be paying attention to it. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on it again. Yeah. Um, kind of keep you updated. But um, for those of you that are dog handlers out there, supervisors, whatever, look, you know, I mentioned it a, a little bit ago. Now, more than ever, you guys do need to be smart about the decisions that you're making, okay? Because um, if you're out there kind of loosey-goosey getting these dog bites, um, you know, pushing the envelope in, in the gray area, you know, th- those are the things that are not helping the cause um, in utilizing these tools appropriately, um, be careful about that. Okay. Because your actions might have a serious consequence on, on everybody. Um, you may not think that, but when those body cam videos get released nationwide, do you want to be the one on the news, um, with a bad dog bite, you know, and potentially facing charges for excessive use of force? Um, I hope not. (coughs) So think about that. Stay educated um, on, on tactics, your law, case law, all, all of those things. Make sure that you guys are making the right choices given the information that you have at the time. Um, there's a lot of tools and, and other things out there that uh, we can use to, to, to be safe. So I guess I'll end it with that. that that's my two cents on it. Um, I encourage everyone to write their of, assemblyman. Yeah, you, you guys got it. Yep, you got to write, you, you got to write your assemblyman. You got to write those opposition letters. Um, I know it's happening. All right, so let's wrap this one up short and sweet. Keep you guys updated on it. Again, hopefully it doesn't pass. So, yeah, we'll go. You have anything else? No, that's it. But, all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Hey, look, thank you to all the subscribers that have been subscribing to the channel. If you guys are liking the content, hit the like button, share it. 
subscribe to the channel helps us out uh, tremendously to keep going with these getting good guests on we do have some awesome guests coming up lined up uh, sheriff lamb uh his chief deputy um matthew thomas is coming and we've got some other awesome guests also coming in the next couple of weeks so stay tuned and we'll see you guys on the next one see you.